0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you are in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Christian Kaggle-Simard, who is the CEO of Adventus Mining. They are focusing their attention down in Ecuador and they are hunting Copper Gold porphyries and also VMSs. We talked to them about um, their plan of attack, their business model, uh, cash position and what they're going to be focusing on, looking to deliver a Feasibility Study at the end of this year and even a financing prior to that. So. Lots to discuss. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, the company itself and indeed Christian, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including Copper and Gold. We've got training courses to help you with your diligence process. We've got summaries of all the interviews that we've done to save you some time because we know you're busy people. But most importantly, we've got a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse. And I hope you think that sounds nice because it is. Go and join them at club. Christian, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How, how about yourself? Not too bad. have been really keen to get you on for ages. Uh, not least of all because we've had you know, one, one of your uh, partners, Salazar, resources on here, so we sort of know a little bit about you. I, can, I kind of feel we're, we're neighbours already.
1: I know. I've been watching all the Merlin, Freddie Salazar interviews with with interest. Hopefully, I can add something new. Also, some of our investors have been on. I know you've got Brian Dalton uh, at
0: least once or twice on from Altius as well. Yeah, good guy. Really good guy. Good company, actually. Um, hey, well, look, um, it's, well, we do better do some pleasantries as well. So, where in the world are you uh, talking to us from?
1: I am in the ghost town of downtown Toronto right now. <laughs> uh, there's literally no one here. I uh, broke uh protocols to go into the office uh, to do this call. Um, so yeah, downtown
0: Toronto. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, well uh, hopefully hopefully you don't get discovered and hopefully you get home okay. Um, right, we better uh, kick off with that obligatory 1-minute overview of your business, people new to the story um, and I'll pick it up with some questions from there.
1: Sure, so uh, Adventist chose to uh, enter Ecuador 3 years ago, we could have built a business anywhere in the world. Uh, we had the financial backers to do so. Uh, we were excited about the geological potential of the country like everyone else. I think we see Ecuador as Peru and Chile, 75, 50 to 75 years ago. And we, had fort- we, we were fortunate to partner with uh, Freddie Salazar, the most successful explorer in the country to build a, a copper business. Ecuador is the best place to be looking for copper in the world, in, in, in my view and what we've put together is a platform of 3 Copper-Gold projects. We happen to have the most economic Copper development project in the world, in El Domo, where we're pushing that as fast as we can to, uh, to construction. And while we do that, we're exploring for major new discoveries as, as well.
0: Brilliant. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, we better talk about uh, country risk. People look at Ecuador, they don't know it so well. Um, it's worth discussing. The one that just had some elections there. So, did, did the right guy win? What's it mean for mining?
1: Well, we were uh, actually agnostic going into this final round of election. Both candidates were going to be positive for mining, although very different ideologies. Arauz was representing Korea's uh, party. Um, so, obviously, left leaning, um, maybe closer ties with China, uh, but still pro mining mandate. Um, and, and there were, were going to be some advantages to, to such, a, um, uh, such a such a backdrop. Lasso, though, uh, also pro mining, uh, pro foreign direct investment, pro IMF. So there's a big IMF loan now to, to the country. So that, that was important to see. Uh, and he's a former investment banker, um, so really understands the uh, difficult financial position the country is in, and what the levers are to get out of that and mining is really that um, like the key driver uh, going forward. So, uh, so Lasso won uh, a few weeks ago at the election. Um, he's already publicly stated that he wants to reduce the value added tax, which will be uh, important for our project, reduces the upfront capital. And he's talking about removing the tax on currency outflows from, from the country, which should reduce our uh, uh, project financing cost of capital. So I would say it was um, a positive outcome the bo- international bonds of Ecuador rallied qu- quite hard after the announcement and i, I believe
0: all of the mining stocks uh, uh, connected to Ecuador have done well since then as well and did it matter who won? I know you said you were agnostic, but did it did it really matter? Who won? because I'm trying to understand certainly a lot of people watching this they won't be following Ecuador closely and let alone the politics. But you know these are planned elections. There's nothing kind of erratic about it. It's a democratic uh, country. Um, is there anything for anyone to be nervous about in terms of you know the South American factor?
1: Well, there's always this, the South American factor. The governments go right, left, left, right, center, uh, every election period. Um, I think the most interesting thing going on in South America is what's going in Peru right now. Uh, um, that, that's, I think, risk. Uh, in Ecuador, I, as mentioned, either would have been fine. I think if Arauz would have won, it would have been quite negative to the inter- international bonds, to the country ratings. It would have been more difficult for Ecuadorians to uh, access capital. It would have been bad for potentially bad for you know the country. Um, uh, that said. Uh, Likely with some higher taxes, certain projects could probably move quicker uh, forward under a Rouse government um, than perhaps with Lasso. Um, so I, I, the, the, the pros and cons are uh, probably less obvious um, for the mining sector, but much more obvious for the overall country um, from an international view in, into the
0: country. Okay, well, okay. I appreciate appreciate your um, view of uh, le- the recent election results. Um, I want to talk about you guys. So, who are you? Why have you got someone like Brian backing you? What have you done before?
1: Sure. Uh, so, I'm a British Columbia raised kid uh, out of Kelowna, Vancouver, BC. A metallurgical engineering background. Worked in the industry for several years for a company called Dynatech Corporation, which got sold to Sherritt in 2007. Moved to Toronto in 2007, was an investment banker for about 10 years in the mining sector. That's really all I know. Um, Brian became one of my best clients. So I was his financial advisor in multiple transactions. Probably the be- uh, the, be- the one that maybe many of you might know is the Chapada copper stream that uh, Alti has transacted on, which arguably uh, could be one of the best streams ever done in the, in the mining sector. Um, so a deep Friendship and relationship with Altius Group, and I was fishing with Brian in summer 2016, and he proclaimed at dinner to a, a group of strangers that I was going to be leaving investment banking and running Adventist. And he never even talked to me about such a concept. But he, he's been a believer in me, uh, convinced me to leave investment banking, and uh, him and I put together the shareholder base that we have today and had to trust me to to build a, a business uh, somewhere in the world, somewhere in Base Metals. So that
0: that's how it all came about. Okay, great friendship, maybe some wine involved, but what's the relevant experience? I mean, you, how did you put a team together and why, you said earlier, we could have worked anywhere in the world. We selected Ecuador, so give, give me the backstory to that. Yeah, so we were a Base Metals developer. We clearly
1: wanted to get in the Base Metals space. Uh, the backers that we put together when we IPO'd were Altius, but together with Greenstone, the private equity group in London, resource capital funds, John Tognetti, the chairman of uh, Haywood. Um, though that group notionally had, were backing us for a few hundred million dollars. For the first year out of my condo, uh, we looked at 240 assets in 25 countries. We put several billion dollars of proposals on, on the table. And after all of that, uh, I went to the board and said, we want to pivot into Ecuador. They, I think they fell off their chairs uh, in, in the first the discussion of that, but they quickly got comfortable with it. And uh, late 2017, we transacted to go into Ecuador. All of the major investors supported us. Since the, since 20 early 2017, we've raised 100 million in equity in the public market. So it has been a very interesting ride. Um, Definitely would not have guessed we would be pivoting into Ecuador when this company was formed or talking about building a mine in uh, 2022. Um, but we have, I think, assessed situations, made the right decisions, and then continue to build uh, as we go.
0: But Tell me about that. Right, You had a bunch of sophisticated financiers in the mining space and you go, hey, we're going to Ecuador, buckle up, and of course they, they fell off their chairs. You can see why the market might be a little bit slower to kind of react to. So what, How did you get them over the line? How did they get comfortable? What did you say to them?
1: Well, let's take a step back and see how Ecuador has transformed in the last few years. It's gone from a, a country pre-2014 as, you know, wouldn't touch it. And then Lucas Lundin came in, bought uh Norte, created Lundin Gold, and really solidified the new platform in Ecuador for 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 mining. Since then we've got London Gold in operation with Fruit North it has been a fantastic success. They've done everything right. It's exactly what the country needs to see a, 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 a solid, modern, responsible mine mining operation. Also, the Chinese government have built a large, large open pit copper mine called Mirador. So there there are those examples in country. But it's not only us that have been attracted to the geological you know, potential of the country. Um, most of the major Australian companies are there. And I think one of the most interesting stats I like to say is uh, over the last 10 years, um, most years in Latin America, money raised in the TSX uh, were going to Peru and Mexico. They were perennially the one, two in terms of money on in the TSX. The last three years, Ecuador has been number one. So uh, there's been an understanding and appreciation of Ecuador's ability to operate there, et cetera. Sol Gold has been a you know big success there. Solaris has been recently. So that all plays in the decision of the board that it's it is an up-and-coming jurisdiction that investors are are interested in. The second part of it, and the third part of it, is just the willingness of the government to grow, to grow that sector. It's been the most proactive government I've seen in, in the mining sector. And then thirdly, it's about the social license to operate. It always is about that, but that comes down to Freddy Salazar and and the good work that that he's done. So number one, he's the top explorer in Ecuador's history. Why not get aligned with with it with him? I have a long long term relationship him with him as well, so uh, embedded trust there. But but also he's Ecuadorian. His team is Ecuadorian. He built strong social licenses to operate around our projects. And our board was comfortable uh, with that. Comfortable that we can actually build a company
0: around these assets. Okay. Well, well, let's let's talk about Freddy Salazar and Salazar Resources, the company, because that you you've signed agreements the the company, not just Freddy, right? Um, can you talk to us about you know what does that relationship look like? You're the operator. You've picked up a couple of their projects. You've also got some options over, I guess, more the zinc focused. Um, projects going forward. So, what what have you established there? What does that relationship look like?
1: So, as a young investment banker, I went down to Ecuador, um, but uh, two thousand nine, I would say, right after El Domo had been discovered. Uh, that's where the relationship with Freddie started, and I think he would tell you that I'm one of the few Gringos he trusted over the over the years. Um, and so it was easy to go back to Freddie in 2017 to restart discussions and see if there were deals to be done with them. I happened to enter a process that he was running to find a partner um, and there were multiple interested groups at the table but I also knew what he was looking for and that gave me a, a leg up I think on the competition and why we got uh, the deal done initially at Curry Pamba, and then we we expanded that deal um, because I knew uh, of his team's success in the country, uh, I knew he had a good nose for finding new projects. So we wanted to expand that uh, relationship more than just Curie Pomba, and we we put together something called the Exploration Alliance. Now, initially, we had we created exclusivity over any projects where zinc was a top two metal. Um, there's got to be zinc all over Ecuador. It's never really been looked for. It. But as the relationship has continued to strengthen, and I, I view the Salazar's and, and the team there as friends, of you know, personal friends, of the family, we have that that um, that trust to uh, to look at all metals and all types of projects in Ecuador. So if you look at the first two projects that went into what we call the exploration lines, they're both porphyry exploration districts. So we're we're working together in all aspects. Um, they have some very attractive 100% owned projects. Um, uh, that uh, they're moving forward. They're not exactly the type of projects we're looking for. We're looking for large copper porphyry projects um, primarily. Um, but we're, I, I would expect this over the next few years to add more projects into that exploration alliance and continue to, to grow that, um, that relationship. It's a different type of joint venture than most. I would say it's the best functioning joint venture I've ever seen and they're much more involved in the day-to-day than you would see in, in, a, in a traditional joint venture arrangement. Uh, we're aligned incredibly well economically by the deals that we have, and the synergy between what we bring and they bring is, is very clear, uh, and we continue to work that way to a common common goal.
0: But, but tell me about that. In if, if you don't mind sort of framing up on, on the detail of exactly what the agreement is, because they've got a 25% free carry, um, and they get paid a management fee. You're the operator, but they get paid a, a management fee. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Again, for people who have not heard this story, let's, let's get into a bit of detail there.
1: Uh, at Curipamba, the deal is we have to spend twenty five million dollars uh, in the ground over five years uh, and deliver a feasibility study to earn uh, a seventy five percent interest in the project. We are three and a half years in, and we've spent thirty million and we'll be delivering a feasibility study in October uh, of this year. Then we're required to fund 100% of the CapEx get to commercial production, but in doing so, we can encumber 100% of the asset in, with debt or streaming or other types of non-equity financing. And we have the rights to 100% of the offtake on the project, too, which, is, which is actually worth quite a bit of money. Once we get to commercial production, we get 95% of the free cash flow out of the project until all of our money is recouped, then it drops to 75.25. So, uh, there is a preferential payback uh, on our side uh, by arranging the the finance for the project. Uh, Like you said, they get management fees because they're very much involved in consulting and and helping with us in the project. We have a uh, preferential agreement to use their drilling company to drill our projects and we get a, a, a very good rate in Ecuador. But they're also making some money off of that as well. Um, in the case of our porphyry projects, um, it's an 80/20 uh, arrangement. We fully fund to a construction decision. So in that case, if we build something, they do have to pony up 20% to build what likely will be a multi-billion dollar asset. And there's a standard dilution formula if, if they don't. Um, but in that case as well, their management fees payable for consulting and their preferred drilling contractors, so they make money
0: off drilling. Okay, interesting. So, feasibility by October, so, say Q4 this year? Yes. Fantastic. Um, can you tell us about what you're actually doing at Curipamba, if you don't mind, in terms of exploration, um, you know, to just kind of support this feasibility study or, or for other purposes?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Kuripamba is a volcanic mass of sulphide district. Typically, VMS, as we call them, occurring clusters. The Salazar's ours and ourselves really have focused only on El Domo, which is the subject of the feasibility study, we have identified 15 new targets in the district through airborne geophysics that we flew for the first time a few years ago. Now is the fun time of testing these 15 targets, looking for for new discovery. So we will be drilling another 4,000 meters this year, testing a few of those VMS targets around El Domo. So you know we're hoping for new discovery there. But the majority of the focus here is getting El Domo. to to the position of starting construction in October 2022. So what do we have to do before then? So we are deep in in discussions on the project finance package. I think this is really going to surprise the market. Um, We have uh, multiple proposals, but 175 million is the average. Um, There's one standout. And uh, I think you'll see that uh, likely announced before the feasibility study is out. Uh, Secondly, we've got the environmental social impact um, assessment. So the environmental permit that we plan to submit to the government of Ecuador by September. That's a $5 million investment run by Knight Peacehold, covering baseline studies that have been going on for years. And then it's a 12 month, uh, 9 to 12 month approval process from there. And it's the feasibility study that's coming out in October. Subsequent to the feasibility study, it's a full ramp up of the execution team, detailed engineering, et cetera. So we are very focused on building up the team and the capabilities and putting together the money to build this. Uh, why wouldn't you? You've got 430 Copper, $1,800 Gold, the IRR after taxes 60% at current prices. This is a you know, best case scenario for us.
0: And it's an aggressive production schedule you, you've laid out. Reading through, you know, but you know, I, what I'm intrigued is what gives you the certainty around, you know, the the mine permit timing. You know, have you fully sorted out some contamination issues around the metallurgy, which you mentioned in the 2019 PEA? There's always mining's tricky, right? There's always going to be bumps along the way. So, what what gives you the certainty around the progress sort of schedule you've put together?
1: So we we've built a team of professionals. Um, from major mining organizations that you know, fill all of the, the key positions here, plus an owner's team around the feasibility study, guys that have built mines covering all the different disciplines. Uh, we have been, e- even though our last study was a PEA in June of uh, 2019, we have been doing a lot of engineering, metallurgy, infill drilling, geotechnical drilling, all those things. We put together a feasibility study that's not to flip a- and sell to someone else to actually build. So, sometimes you're actually making decisions that don't help the economics, but help your ability to execute and de-risk execution. Um, it's those kind of decisions that have resulted in a, a PFS that we completed internally at the end of December that we've used to go out to get project finance. Now, we got, we got multiple proposals on project finance with the option of announcing that before a feasibility study is done. That's unheard of. That's really a testament of the strong work that's been done and really the high-quality resource that we have. The execution plan has us uh, starting construction October 2022 and starting production in February 2024. It's a it's a it's quite a small, uh, simple project. Uh, construction is around 15 to 16 months. We have very good infrastructure uh, where the project is. This is a schedule that has been put together by our technical team who's built multiple mines before, it assumes a 12-month permitting uh, timeline. Our indications are that could be as quick as 6-months, but we've assumed 12, plus some wiggle room in there as well. So, everyone that's looked at our execution schedule, schedule, including the project financiers, don't see many holes in it, but definitely if there was a risk, it would be on how long the ESIA takes to get uh, approved.
0: So, again, coming back to the Met stuff and your comment from earlier talking about you can be um, a little bit less concerned around the economics, is, is that your attitude to the, your Met solution? So, uh,
1: I said I was a metallurgical engineer um, and there are other metallurgical engineers involved here. Since we took over the project, we've added several hundred million in NPV just by finalizing the metallurgical flow sheet. There's been significant work done since the PEA. What we did was we changed the reagents, we changed grind size, we added a lead recovery circuit. We locked in that flow sheet in the summer of last year. So now the metallurgical program for the feasibility study is just variability work. It's more for operations than anything else. Uh, We shipped 10 tons of um, material from the the infill drilling we just completed to Cantaloupe's BC to do several tons of that variability work. So metallurgy, I would say, has been the, the core focus of this project. It's the core focus of any volcanic mass sulfide sulphide uh, project. But uh, in this case, we're not only thinking about it from feasibility study perspective, but also operating it um, and building a geometallurgical model as well. So I'm very comfortable on, on the
0: metallurgy here. Okay. So with Curpumba, we're talking VMS and you've got an exploration program. How much, how much money, I know you've got, you've got quite a bit of money. Uh, at the moment, haven't you? What's the number? Forty-five.
1: We have forty-five million of cash and investments. September thirtieth of last year. We just filed yesterday our year-end financials. So December thirty-first, that number had dropped to thirty-three million. Right.
0: You got a uh, bunch of cash today.
1: As we, yeah, we have a bunch of cash. We have enough cash to take us to a, a, a construction decision on the project, project that first quarter of next year.
0: Right. And but we're we're focused right now on the VMS projects, Curucumba. Uh, how much are you going to be spending? Sorry, we talked about expiration, but we didn't talk about how many more metres you think you're going to need to drill.
1: So, uh, we spend 85% of our money on El Domo development permitting, everything associated with that. We have 15% approximately, some, some years is 20, but 15 to 20% uh, assigned for true Greenfields expiration, the lottery ticket upside in, in the company. Uh, we have 4,000 metres of Expiration drilling around Curipamba, as I mentioned. We just completed all the drilling we need to get to uh, commercial production on, on Aldomo. So, we've been steadily uh, releasing the best Copper equivalent drill results in the world over the last few months from, from that infill drill program. Uh, but we're also drilling at our porphyry projects uh, as well, surgical uh, drill programs around some pretty high profile targets.
0: That's what I'm intrigued by. Okay, because we've been entirely focused on the VMS stuff. You announced at the beginning your focus is on copper porphyries. So, so just help me understand. You know where the actual focus is because I can see where where you've been working recently. But when when you say we're actually focused on discovering copper porphyries because the, the sheer scale and volume of these things, it's very exciting to the market. But have you how much time and money have you actually spent on those?
1: Uh, well, since we picked up the Pahili and Santiago projects, we spent around ten million u s um, on on advancing those projects. Uh, Three million of of that was airborne geophysics uh, alone. Let me take a step back what the vision of this company is. The vision of the company is to put Eldomo into production, which will be a cash flow machine, to build my goal is the next lundine mining. I mean, there are a whole host of uh, base metal companies that started on high grade copper VMSs. They're the cash flow engine um, that can build such a company. So take Lundin, take uh, Tech, take Rio Tinto, take Hud Bay, etc. They all started on a high grade copper VMS. So that's why we're spending 85% of our cash on advancing Eldomo to construction and production. Uh, At the same time, we have some pretty uh, exciting targets and uh, we're looking for the next one. We're also looking for the next discovery because it will improve our equity cost of capital. And I'm sure you've heard or your viewers have heard about the Lausanne curve trough. So we're in the midst of a feasibility study, no one cares. Um, So if we can find a new discovery, perhaps we can get out of that trough. So far, we haven't found a material material new discovery, so our share price has suffered. But we have a bunch of kicks at the can uh, to make those discoveries by the end of the year, and the most exciting one is our Santiago project. Um, Santiago is very similar, if you think, if your readers know or your listeners know, to Solaris's Warinsa uh, project. So the analogies are: Warenza was drilled 20-25 years ago, shallow, uh, about 150 million ton resource of 0.6% copper grade and copper moly. 20, 20 years uh, later, they go in there, do modern geophysics, they find a deep-seated system, they're drilling one kilometre holes and they're onto a billion tonnes plus and they're already a billion dollar market cap. So the analogy we have with Santiago is, drilled 25 years ago by Newmont shallow holes, the Copper Gold system, you could arm wave a few hundred million tonnes at 0.5 to 0.6% Copper equivalent. we have gone in there, done the geophysics, We see it's a deep-seated system. You could fit several billion tons into that geophysical anomaly. We're going to be drilling multiple one-kilometer holes into the heart of that geophysical anomaly, twinning some of those historical holes and we'll have the first results out in in October of this year. So you you can see why I'm excited about that one. It's permitted. Um, We don't need a big drill program for material re-rate for both Adventist and Salazar share prices.
0: I can see why you're excited because it sounds, sounds good. But you, what have you? What are you going to be doing precisely between now and the end of the year to deliver that? You know what I mean? Because it's like we can we can talk about the the what ifs and maybes to this, but how much more money? What are you doing? What's it? What are you hoping to get from that? And what should we be looking out for further down the line on Santiago specifically?
1: Yeah, we have budgeted uh, this year two and a half million US. Uh, for the program Uh, and the bulk of that is for drilling. We currently have field teams uh, on the project right now doing mapping and sampling and determining where we're going to put those 3 or 4 drill holes. Uh, We expect to have a drill turning by the end of July uh, on the project uh, and first drill results uh, hoping end of October. We also have been focusing on the social license to operate. So, we've got social teams in all of the regional communities, 30 kilometers or you know, area of influence around the project. That's going very well. We're adjacent to Newcrest and Solgol's um, concessions that are very high priority for them. Newcrest is $110 dollars earning with Cornerstone. Solgol's second highest priority expiration target in Ecuador is just south of us. Both of them are ramping up for drilling over the next 3-4 months as well.
0: But I know, but again, I don't want to get into the world of neurology or closeology here. I want to go, you can spend two and a half million bucks. Why is that? I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. First of all, to discover or create a, you know, billion dollar type operation. So uh, why should people say, do you know what? This guy's going to spend two and a half million bucks and he's going to create something that I should be interested in today. There's got to be more to it.
1: Well, I, uh, Advise all the readers to take a look at a corporate presentation. There's a a beautiful figure in there which shows the historical drilling and that big geophysical blob, that big wine glass blob, which should be the porphyry. And it's it's easy to see. Okay, you twin as one of the historical holes of 325 meters of 0.65% copper equivalent, and you go deep from there. So um, we know it's a mineralized porphyry, we know it's a large system. We just got to get the drill up there. We drill for $220 a meter and off to the races. I mean, Solaris off the first one kilometer hole added 300 million market cap. So you don't need to spend a lot when you're getting those kind of results to see the, 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 a substantial re rate in the share
0: price. Okay. And so you mentioned earlier that you're using the um, Salazar rigs. How many rigs have you got turning? So Salazar's have four drill rigs. Uh, We currently have uh,
1: 3 drill rigs turning. We had up to 7 a few months ago, but we pulled the drill rigs off the drilling of El Domo because the infill drilling is done there. Uh, The actual drill rigs that are turning El Domo right now are geotechnical rigs that are not Salazar rigs. But uh, we plan to have one of the Salazar rigs in May turning on one of the VMS targets right next to El Domo. And we plan to have one of the Salazar rigs turning at Santiago in, in July. So, uh, two, two diamond
0: drill rigs uh, we have planned for the rest of the year. Do you think that the El, I'm looking at the El Doma copper numbers. I mean, they're extremely good. I mean, by any comparison, they're extremely good. Um, do you think you need to do more drilling there, keep these high grade numbers coming out, or do you think the market is now saturated with that story? Okay, we get it just give us the feasibility and we'll, we'll, we'll move on, or we, we will view you differently in terms of evaluation.
1: The market, I would say, is numbed by our results from Eldomo. Uh, we have drilled this Eldomo deposit to the expectation the feasibility study that 65% of the reserves will be proven, 35% probable. I don't think you've ever heard of a company that will have that kind of confidence. Uh, so we don't need to drill any further or Eldomo, and frankly, it's cut off uh, in most directions. What investors are looking for is a new VMS discovery to augment Eldomo. There are seven VMS targets within three kilometers of Eldomo to the east, never drilled before, all with larger geophysical anomalies than Eldomo. So that's our focus. If we can find, if we can drill 20 meters of 5% copper equivalent or so, a kilometer away from Eldomo, our share price will do very well.
0: What happened at Pahili? There's a trading halt.
1: Yeah, so Pahili is, uh, is a super interesting district. Uh, it has the highest surface metal concentrations in that district within Ecuador. Uh, in that district, Southern Copper has the Chaucha porphyry. So that's a one to one and a half billion ton low grade copper moly porphyry that's in, in feasibility. It's actually analogous to First Quantum's Cobra Panama in terms of size and grade. What we've been building is a land position in a horseshoe shape around uh, Southern Copper. We flew airborne a few years ago and we have 18 geophysical targets that we uh, picked up from the airborne. None of them ever drilled. So this is a five to 10 year exploration land consolidation uh, program. We picked one of those to do surface work, mapping, sampling, et cetera, and then execute a phase one drilling program which we drill 7,000 meters. We completed that program in February. We even put out two releases, two discoveries in the district, the last one being earlier this week. So what we announced earlier this week is a two kilometer step from our first discovery holes um, with the headline number of 20 meters of 3.8% copper equivalent from surface. That's an overprint on top of the porphyry and that, that's part of a 152 meter hole of 0.65% copper equivalent. There's one hole about 300 meters away that drilled the porphyry and it's wide open in all directions. So that last hole was probably the most exciting hole in the district uh, or in our first phase program. All the holes hit the porphyry, it's a very large system and more work needs to be done going forward. Unfortunately, uh, the success of Solaris and Solgold has conditioned the market for porphyry exploration that if you don't drill a kilometer 0.5% copper coolant or better, it's no good. Um, I think from a technical perspective, we had a huge win, and that last result is super interesting. But the market didn't even move on it. Um, so we're, we've spent the money we said we would do with our budget on that project this year. We will drill more next time we go back to the market, but that, that project's on hold
0: for now. But, but why the trading halt?
1: Because it's a material discovery in, in our view, um, and the, the best practices right now, because we're listed um, on multiple exchanges, including, including Europe, is to put an even playing field out there. Halt the stock if you think there's material news, um, and then put out the news and see see what happens.
0: Nothing happened. You must be annoyed. It
1: wasn't the greatest week in the market either, but uh, frankly, it's very interesting. Um, 19 meters. Uh, 3.8% copper equivalent from surface. Uh, if you put 5 to 10 million tons of that together, that's another El Domo. That's that's absolutely a mine. We have no idea geologically what's going on there. Uh, the the silver numbers are extremely high, and remember it's overprinted on a porphyry, so it definitely opens up uh, a really neat window to to explore there and see what we have. Um, but we have to remember what the focus of the company is, and and what we need to do with our treasury, and that is advancing Eldomo to commercial production, and uh, and we'll definitely get back there. But um, right now, it's uh, it's more about Eldomo rather than chasing up on that.
0: Okay, and um, you did do some drilling at Vacara, didn't you?
1: Yeah, we we put a few holes in La We will have a release in May on uh, the results of that and the drilling that we'll have started on those VMS targets. Uh, La Cara is a, what we think is a porphyry system. I mean, you can get porphyries around DMSs as well. These were three wide spaced holes. We did about a thousand meters, so results in May. Okay. So the,
0: the you, I can sort of see how you differentiate in terms of your plan of attack compared to a Salazar, your partner. That's clear. And it's clear where your focus is. You've got enough money for this year. So are we saying that on things like Pahili you'll come back to it next year next next calendar year? Is that the yes schedule? Yeah. okay.
1: yeah we, we raised 38 million dollars in a the, in the bought deal uh, the dollar27 substantially higher than where we are trading today uh, last August. and uh, it was a prospectus financing. you have a defined use of uh, proceeds. The bulk of it as mentioned is towards El Domo. But we said we were going to drill 7,000 meters at Pahili, check, made a discovery. Uh, we're going to drill 3,000 meters at Santiago, that's still upcoming. We're going to do 4,000 meters regionally at Curipamba. So a lot of that is still in the come.
0: So And just just help me understand what the future looks like here, because I, I get the, the decision to say, well, let's get some revenue flowing. We're going to do El, the El Domo Curipamba. Deposits um, that could get into production relatively quickly. It could, be, it could produce cash flow to allow us to actually go after these copper porphyries, and that's where the the big prize is. If you want to be like a Londine, that's where the big prize is. Just, and, and given the resurgence of the copper market, and certainly like sort of six six to nine months uh, with the copper price, um, would it, it, do you, is is the Eldoma project too small for someone to come along and say, Hey, we want to take this thing out? Are you going? Are you determined to um, get into production yourselves and operate yourselves, or are there other ways to finance chasing copper porphyries in Ecuador?
1: Uh, Very good questions. Uh, So I just ran it this morning under spot metals pricing. El Domo has a five hundred million US NPV eight after tax Um, free cash flow in the first year is one hundred seventy five million US. Versus a capital cost of about that, so we're we're just about a over a year year payback. This is a unique project in, in the copper space. I would say the best best similarity I, I know out there would be Silvercrest Metals, that's cheapest in, in Mexico. Um, so it's uh, it's rare to find these things, uh, and uh, uh, you really need to think hard if you're if you're um, if if there's M and A proposals on the table. So does it does it fit for others absolutely especially because of the high precious metals uh, content um, at the peak of the gold price last year the project had close to 60 percent precious metals revenue 40 percent base now that's flipped around 60 40 so we this project actually caters to gold producers and uh, and base metal producers the Canadian uh, producers are oddities they're Focused on units of production more than anything else, rather than profitability. In, in my view, you look in Europe or, in particular, the Australians. It's more about free cash flow. So we we do have quite a bit of interest for um, for Eldomo, in particular, as the next mine for Take Your Pick Mining Company. Um, the problem is we're trading at a dollar share Canadian. Our net asset value for Eldomo is 225 uh, share based on the analysts. No one's going to pay 100% premium. For uh, for some for Ecuador uh, mining project, even with these kind of uh, characteristics, so we need to continue to de-risk, get our share price higher, and um, de- and 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 see how you know what happens over the next 18 months. If someone's going to buy us, it's going to be before we start uh, construction, so sometime before October 2022. Um, but that's not really what we're focused on. We're focused on building it. If we do the right things, we got the permits, the price will naturally move higher, and then we'll make a decision if, if and when a proposal comes in.
0: So you don't become a London company by selling off assets, do you?
1: No, no. You, uh, you really need to understand what's out there, cherish what you have, um, believe in your abilities. I can tell you, uh, well, you don't know me that well, but I can tell you that if we build El Domo, we're going to be super aggressive. Uh, to build a major mining company. We've got all the pieces in place. We clearly have access to capital. Um, We've got an expertise in M&A and um, it will be fun.
0: Okay, One last question, and it's around the Zinc because we took Copper Gold so far and we haven't talked about the Zinc. You've got some options with the Salzar resources to pick up Zinc projects. Are you, is that? Are you really focused on Zinc? Do you care about Zinc?
1: I know Merlin likes to talk about it, and it, it our, our language is we got exclusivity with the sellers around right. zinc. Yeah. So uh, the reality is the Cadastra, so that's the staking system in Ecuador, has been shut for for several years, and we know of several properties that are interesting for zinc, but it, we can't access them. And under Lasso, that's one of the differences between Lasso and Arouse. Arouse said he wanted to open up the Cadastra quickly. Lasso, it might not op- open during this, um, during this four years which actually is not a bad thing because it makes the value of the existing granted concessions worth more uh, to us. So We're not really looking at Zinc in, in Ecuador right now for as long as the disaster is shut. We're looking to bolster with additional Copper porphyry
0: uh, projects. Okay, cool. Christian, appreciate your time today. I've been dying to hear this story. I'm interested in the model, quite frankly, uh, and how you're going to build it out. So um, Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Um, With the with the various programs you've got, um, I'd definitely like to um, take that phone call. Appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. This has been fun.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, CruxInvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.